For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line from the front around the captain's armband is Carl. So Carl, firstly, a happy new year and I hope you had a good festive period. Yeah, happy new year to you, Dan, and uh, all, all the listeners. Had had quite a good good Christmas and festive period, you know, reasonably quiet, as I'm sure it was for all of us. But we had plenty of football to keep us going and plenty for us to get into tonight, mate. Exactly. And also joining us is James. So, James, it's a pleasure to be reunited with you once more. How have you been keeping, mate? Yeah, very well, very well. Happy new year to you, Dan. Uh, and obviously, we've got, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, it's been a busy busy kind of period for us and hopefully it's going to be another another good year for us as well. Yep, fingers crossed the year ended a one and all that and last but not least is pod squad member Holly. Holly, a bit of first team podcast action for you tonight. Are you ready for your first appearance of 2021? Oh yeah, I mean it's great coming out of Europa and then getting in the first squad in in this kind of uh, climate. I'm loving it. But yeah, happy new year to everyone and uh, thanks for having me back on. Not a problem. Right, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect the last year and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Come New Spurs app where the podcast is available each and every Tuesday morning. And of course, you can follow us across social media or on Twitter at CYS underscore COM. While we're also on all the major audio platforms, that's Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. If we're not on one, let us know and we'll get it on there for you. Right, let's get down to business. And that business usually starts with us looking back on the most recent match. However, there's a lot of Christmas action news to mop up. Some good, some bad. So before we get to... Saturday and what happened then, we need to talk about all the other big headlines since our Christmas break and get back up to speed. So the first one, not a headline as such, but a very important talking point. And unfortunately, we need to talk about Gareth Bale. Now, I did a poll last week. I put it through the uh, official page as well. So thanks to everyone who voted. And if you were in charge of negotiations for Gareth Bale and the question about a second season, the answer was an overwhelming no. So, Carl, with the first half of the season now in the history books, do you have to accept that the return might not have been what we all hoped for? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, we, we're all, I think, sitting here tonight, aren't we? Bitter, bitterly kind of disappointed about what we've kind of seen so far um, from Gareth. You know, I don't think any of us were silly enough to think that we were possibly getting the old Gareth Balbat who was going to be steaming down, down the wings um, and taking people on. But I think we'd all probably thought that we were going to get someone who suddenly, you know, yes, he was going to take a little while to get up to speed. But then we thought we were going to have this dynamic front free of you know Bow, Kane and Son um, and the reality has been that we've barely seen it um, when we have seen it it you know it hasn't been that impressive more from Gareth's point of view um, and I think there are worries about now about whether the guy actually can get back to even sort of some sort of fitness where he can see out and be reasonably effective in a game um, you know I, I get the impression when I watch him um, and you watch him running and doing things you kind of get the impression he's playing within himself and that there's a worry that if he tries to do too much something's going to go twang or something's not going to happen and then he's going to be out for a long period um, and, I, and I think that's the more worrying thing because that is where you do start to question listen I don't think this guy is going to get back to the sort of form where he can even contribute to the team even if it's 
it's bit parts. We, you know, we know he'll never play probably two games a week. We know he might not play 90 minutes, but we haven't seen anywhere near enough football from what we were hoping to. Now, we could say, that I guess the bigger question here is, is that down to Jose? Um, and the fact that he may at some point just need to start giving him a run of games to allow him to try and see if he can get up to fitness. But you kind of get the impression, given the way we're going to play, I don't think Jose is going to want to risk a, a guy who might not be getting up and down the pitch as much as he should do. Uh, and that does start to make you think, well, I don't think we'll see him being effective enough. Now he's picked up an injury where, you know, he's not going to be seen for a few weeks. We know we have a tendency to make a couple of week injury go to suddenly two months, you know, two and a half months. So I think there's a real worry now that we, you know, we thought we were getting this great signing back and maybe what we got was a great PR exercise. And unfortunately, that's all it will turn out to be for the club. James, I get the feeling you want to try and breathe a bit of confidence into all things Bale. So if I was to ask your take on the Welsh international, would you be ready to sign off on an extended stay for him at the club? Personally, I think why not? I think he's he's, he's certainly got... Uh, you know, he's got that moment of brilliance in him that, that a lot of the players coming off the bench for us just, just don't have. Um, and I think, you know, if, if, we, if we're going to be a little bit more clever about things, I think clearly he's, he's probably playing in the wrong position. Um, I think, you know, we, we, as Cole, Cole's absolutely right in saying that I don't think he's got that kind of burst of speed or even the acceleration that, that we, he used to have, you know, what he was... He was he was made so famous for having. I think he he's probably lost that just that explosiveness just a little bit. But he's still, you know, if he, if he has a chance in front of goal, you back him to score it. You know, I think he's still got some great movement and he's got an absolute wonderful left foot on him. I think you know if if we played him down the middle, uh, you know, playing off Harry Kane, I, I think there's there's no reason why he he couldn't be you know a really valuable asset playing there. Um, you know, even in place of Kane, I think if if we played played Bale as a centre forward, I think he'd he'd have a lot more a lot more of the ball. He'd have a, a lot more. Uh, you know, he seems to be getting the ball in a lot of tight spaces where he's got the the full back in front of him, and and he hasn't got that that turn of speed or he hasn't got that trick to to take him on anymore. So why not make him the focal point of our attack and and have a couple of quick wingers either side of him that are going to feed him balls and and also. You know, if if Vinicius isn't up to it, then he can be the, the backup to Harry Kane. I think you know we're short of options in that in that place in that uh, position. Sorry, so why not give it a try rather than write him off straight away? Um, I think we're wrong to write him off straight away because we've we've said from the start he needs a run of games. He needs you know plenty of minutes in in the tank, and he hasn't really had that. Whether that be because of injury or or whether he just doesn't fit in Mourinho's system, as Carl says. I think he hasn't had that the chance, and and when he has had glimpses of of brilliance, we haven't seen him again for a while. I mean, look at that that free kick against the bar in the Europa League, and then he was brought off straight away after that. You know, I think he, his confidence probably hasn't hasn't grown as much as he as we thought he would being back at Spurs. And I think if we give him give him a bit more of a chance, then you know it's it's very similar to Deli Ali. I think if you start him and you play him. For, for a lot, uh, you know, a, a number of games and stick with him when, maybe when he's not contributing. I think he'll he'll eventually repay that favour and he'll he'll get his form back. Uh, he, we know he's not going to be the player that, that he you know he left Spurs as, but he's certainly got a part to play. And I think we we have we, with the amount of games we've got to play, we're not really in a situation to be talking about getting rid of players right now. Holly, I think a lot of people did actually answer the poll and say it's too early to make such a snap decision, which is right, but it's a good talking point nevertheless. So. Obviously, 
you're not going to make any real decisions for next season this early. With the second half of the season now coming up very short, shortly, or you know, pretty much here now, is there still time for him to do magic stuff, or is the worry that now he's picking up these niggles? At his age, these niggles turn into longer injuries. We never quite get the fitness, the sharpness. What's your take on all things, Bale? I think we've we've come to learn in, in recent times that if we don't give players enough time and just write them off, then it comes to bites on the bum. Like I was the first person to say I didn't think that Don Blay was quite up to it. Obviously, we all know his fitness wasn't great. And now look at him. He's probably the shining star of our team right now. So I think maybe to write him off this early, it's maybe too early, but then it's always a matter of time and the direction which the team's going to go. And I think, like James said, he's a quality player to bring off the bench. It's just whether Jose thinks it's the right time to do it, personally. So I think maybe just give him to the end of the season and maybe just look at it when the summer comes up and then make your decision. That's a fair point. With the end of the season in mind, Cole, our good friend Matthew Baldwin is interested in Bale from a Welsh point of view. So do you think Bale is subconsciously, or maybe even consciously, timing all of this to be as sharp as he can possibly be for Wales. Not to say, well, buggers are Tottenham, but using us as the perfect springboard for international glory in the summer. I'd have to say, you know, I, I don't think that's Gareth's sole purpose, if I'm honest. You know, I don't think he's come with that view, right, you know, when I get there, I won't start settling in. And then towards the end of the season, just before the championships, I'll, I'll, I'll kick in suddenly because I don't think that's what he would have come for. I think, you know, obviously, I think there is an element that he's probably come thinking about this tournament in, in mind, thinking that he needs to be playing football again. But in my opinion, Gareth's probably one of those people who would have said, I want to go to Spurs, go back somewhere unloved, get playing regular football again, make a contribution. And then by the time that championships comes round, I'm ready to go and hit the ground running because the likely it is this could be his last tournament. You know, unfortunately for Wales, you don't know when they're going to get back into one. So, you know, he has to take that opportunity given his age as well. So, you know, I, I do think there was an element that he probably decided to come at this point for that. But I think he would have liked to have contributed a lot more um, to the club than he probably has already. Um, and we do just have to hope, don't we, that, you know, at some point, Jose decides to, to you know, take the risk and play him and give him a run of games. And that what we see by that run of games, it does get him back into that sort of groove where, as the guys have already said, we do know he is a quality player. Um but again, it's a bit like the, the Deli Alley situation, isn't it? When you're only getting 40, 50 minutes here and there, sometimes you can be trying too much just to kind of light, light the sky and give the manager a headache rather than, you know, when you know you've got a run of games coming, you can be patient, take your time. You're not, you know, trying things or, you know, rushing everything to try and impress. Um, so I do think, yeah, I think he would have come with that in mind, but I think he would have come just to see if he could help us uh, and achieve something with us just to see how, you know, because the likely it is, yes, this is going to be his last few years now at the very top. And he would have liked to have kind of come back and, and proved a point to everyone. At the same time, James, does a potential failure to slay the Premier League second time round create a bit of an issue for Real Madrid? Not necessarily for us, but in a worst case scenario, if Bale is a bust in North London, it's hardly going to be desirable to anyone in the summer, because that will also then start the next or his last season in contract at the Bernabeu. So, are Real Madrid also watching this with a vested interest, shall we say? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we said it at the start, this this deal made sense for, for everyone involved. 
um, you know, Real Madrid not least because you know they're they're the ones paying his his big wages and they you know they want him to be to be performing at Spurs so that he's in the shop window. Um, personally, I think if it carries on going the way it's going, I think he he won't. They still won't struggle to find a buyer because. Um, I think as a name, I think he they'll be able to offload him to you know America, China maybe, um, and they'll they, you know they'll still command some kind of a fee and, and get him off the books. I think you know they'll still be able to do that because at the end of the day it is Gareth Bale, and it's still going to be a marquee signing for for you know one of those maybe more minor leagues. Um, but the, the best case scenario for for everyone involved is that Bale hits the ground running. Um, you know he. he he gets back to to being not quite as good as he was, but he you know he has a role to play in this squad that means Tottenham take him on for another year. Uh, it, it means that Real haven't got to worry about him again, uh, and again it means that he's in the shop window for for in two years time when because Spurs aren't going to make the deal permanent. We know that it's either going to be a two year loan or it's going to be uh, you know it's going to be maybe a one year loan if it doesn't go if the, if Jose decides to terminate it, but. You know we're not going to make it uh, make it permanent. Someone might. So you know he's in the shop window for that at the end of the day. And hopefully the the best case scenario is that we keep Bale for for another year and a half, and he you know he he contributes to the team because we know he can. Uh, and and you know as I say he then he'll be he'll be in 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 form for for the European Championships, and and everyone will be happy. Holly, with Bale being the stature that he is. Is that a bit of a problem when you try and give him a run of games? Because everyone will expect results in game one. That You can't really have the luxury of giving him five games because if he doesn't perform by game three, then it's an absolute nightmare. So does he almost need to hit the ground running as soon as he's fit? Or can he be afforded time to bed in in the new year? I mean, like we said, he's, he's got a heightened expectancy. We all think that he is the... Well, we don't all think that he was the player, but he's got that name, which we've all said. It's Bale. So we all think already that he needs to come on and make an impression and it's the ca- same kind of vibe with Jose everybody thinks he must win a trophy and I'm one of those people because of his stature and I'm also one of these people that think Bell does need to show his worth and I think that is kind of the vibe that I think everybody's having and sadly I think with the nature of fans at the moment I think that is also the way it's going to go I don't think people are going to give him a lot of time there's people already getting frustrated that he's had too much time and now he's injured again and he's got niggles and whether he'll get to what we want him to be able to do which is to do a job on the field when one of our players can't necessarily do that or we want to find another option to make chances or to be the person that scores that goal so it's a tough one and I think sadly if he doesn't get off the form when he is starting to play regular games I think it's going to be a tough one to try and sway fans either way okay moving swiftly on what with Christmas out of the way Cole I need to ask you did you get a new PSG top from Santa <laughs> no it wasn't on my uh, wasn't on my shopping list this year mate um, and thankfully it won't be going forward you know um Listen, I support one club. Um, I have an inkling for one second one in Scotland um, who are doing quite well now. But at the same time, you know, I don't start buying shirts from all over the place. Um, and certainly not just because an old an old favourite of ours has gone there. But I, I think we will start seeing possibly a lot more of those shirts uh, popping up uh, and being worn by people out and about at the moment. So, James, what do you make of all things Poch FC? Now, of course, it's not for... For me or anyone here to tell people who to support and who not to support, you know, that's their decision, that's fine. But at the same time, what are you going to make of what will undoubtedly be increased interest at PSG? 
Well, I think you know, as you say, Dan, people are people are welcome to to support who they want to support. Um, for me, I obviously I'm a big fan of Pochettino. I, I, you know, I look back at everything he did at Spurs with with fondness, and I think first and foremost, I think he's an absolutely great bloke. And not only has he got a great bloke, but he's he's, he's actually got a great team behind him, a, a bunch of great blokes, in fact. So. Um, for me, it's nothing to do with the fact that he's at PSG. It's nothing to do with the fact that they might, you know, they might play us at some point in the Champions League. All the things that have been banded around on Twitter. It's nothing to do with that. I, I hope that Pochettino has success at PSG because it, I feel like he deserves it as a, as a guy. I think he, he's, a, he's a really great, great bloke, and he hasn't. That's the one thing that was missing from his time at Tottenham was was trophies and. You know, I, I think it's a little bit of probably the op- opposites because I think he he'll probably his time at Tottenham was filled full, full of memories and, and memorable games and, and memorable experiences, but no trophies. And then I think at PSG, it might be a little bit the way, other way around. I think it'll be uh, probably less memories and more trophies. So it'll just, you know, we've seen how they, they dominate French football. They, they tend to you know get a couple of trophies every year. Um, so I, I don't think he'll he'll take them to another level. I think I think he'll it'll just remain the same. I think they'll they'll probably dominate their league and then struggle in the Champions League because you know I haven't quite got the squad. Um, but for me, I'll, I'll I'll be happy to see Pochettino with a trophy in his hands because I feel like he he deserves it. The hard work he's put in uh, and the the effort that he put in at Tottenham, I think you know we should we should just be happy for him. Um, I won't be rushing out to buy a PSG shirt. I, I, you know, I'll, I'll probably look out for the results, or more than likely, I'll have the results shoved down my throat on Twitter. Um, but I, I, you know, if if it does end in Pochettino winning some trophies, then then I'll be happy for him. But you know, as Carl says, if they come up against Spurs, it doesn't matter who's who's in that dugout. I think it'll, you know, it, it 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 could be my own grandmother in that dugout. I'd want us, <laughs> want us to spank him ten nil. <laughs> so Holly, I think ultimately it boils down to yes, you can be happy he's got a job, but the happiness has to end at some point, really, isn't it? Are you going to be fist pumping when they put a fifth past Dijon in League Emma? No. <laughs> there you go. Simple <laughs> that's, that. that's the straight answer. Exactly. No, I think, like I said, I'm happy for Poch, but I mean. We all hated the fact that he was jobless. I think it was the right time for him to go at Spurs. But to actually see him back in a job that he loves doing with those players that he's now got to manage, I think it's lovely. But I'm not going to be these type of people that are going to go out, buy a PSG shirt and kiss the badge every time Poch's team wins. I'm Tottenham through and through. That's just the way it's going to be and that's the way it'll always be. Lovely stuff. So, Carl, as James has alluded to, trophies will probably be on the agenda for Poch. Is it the perfect job for him? There's no real pressure. It's a homecoming of sorts. And one that will likely increase his stock by an absolute shocker, which is, you know, when you look at his stock over the last 12 months, has decreased slightly due to inactivity. Yeah, I've, I think for Poch, this is a perfect move right now because, you know, you go into a league where you're joining the one team that, let's face it, they walk it every year out there, you know. And like, as you know, the guys have said, he'll at least win minimum two or three trophies um, in his stay. Um, And that then obviously gets that, you know, that monkey off his back about, oh, yeah, but he's never won anything. You know, he's never won a trophy as a manager. He'll come back with a league title, a couple of cups. You know, who knows how far they could go in the Champions League? You know, when that team is on fire, they're probably a match for anyone. You question whether they've got, you know, the defensive capabilities to win the Champions League. Um, But, 
you wouldn't rule it out given the talent they've got on the pitch. So if he suddenly comes back with four or five trophies, he can then go, like as you say, Dan, the stock rises, doesn't it? And, you know, the only thing I will say as a Tottenham fan, I think this is great if he goes somewhere now and suddenly, you know, maybe get get some more experience, win some trophies, get some, you know, get some titles over a line or something. And then who knows? You know, we, we know how much he loves the club and we don't know whether we could see Poch back at some point in the future. So if this move obviously just helps him, uh, you know, get some more experience and, like, and we say win things and suddenly, you know, makes him a better manager. If he then comes back to us at some point in the future and starts turning it around for us, it's just win-win, isn't it? Um, we all wish him the best. I just think, you know, lots of people now will start putting their, you know, Twitter pictures as PSG shirts and potching training and be watching their results every five minutes. Um, for me, that's, you know, that that's not that's not what I'm about. You know, yes, I would love to see him do well because for me, as long as he isn't managing another team in England, then I wish him all the success in the world. Um, if he'd gone somewhere like United or someone like that, I'd be sitting there thinking, well, I hope you lose every game, mate. Um, but yeah, that that's hope. Who knows? This could all be about to come round that one day, you know, he'll rejoin us again and he's got those titles and cups in the bag and has gained some more experience that could help him help us in the future. So I think, you know, that that's the dream situation, isn't it? But we'll have to see how it works out. But he'll definitely win things. So for him, I don't think he could lose. James, he could win a trophy as soon as next week as they meet Marseille in the French equivalent of the Community Shield. Now, do you know who he'll be facing in the opposite dugout? Uh, do you know what? I do, but I'm not going to sell you thunder, Dan. Go on, tell us who it is. Well, it's a certain Mr AVB, isn't it? It is. What, now- what a guy. Well, it's funny how the same affection or supporting Zenit St. Petersburg was never afforded to him. So do you think, without going too much on a French tangent, do you think Poch will get that one over the line? Or could it just be reverting to type and failing to win another trophy? I think, you know, as Carl kind of alluded to, I think uh, who's in the dugouts of these teams probably doesn't really matter. Um, I think it comes down to the fact that, that PSG have got a better team. They've got the best team in that country. They've got some superstar footballers. Uh, and they're their favourite to win every game as long as it's on French soil. Um, so I, I think Pochettino will will be straight in there with his first trophy. I think we're going to have to deal with all the the football troll accounts going crazy over uh, how he's won more trophies in a week than he has, you know, in five years at Spurs. Blah blah blah. Write your own joke. Um, but I think you know, at the end of the day, if we're just happy for him. Um, then I think that's 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 the way it should be. You know, there's there's no reason to look back at Pochettino's time at Spurs with any kind of animosity. He's got, you know, I say he's a great bloke. He's got a great team behind him, and and uh, and he deserves all the success. Now, Holes, of course, with Poch at PSG and the transfer window now open, the lazy rumours will be generating at quite a pace. I mean, they're starting already. But can you see anyone crossing the channel before the end of the month and linking up with their former manager? I mean, I thought it would be Delhi, but then I saw there was rumours today that that wasn't going to happen at all. I mean, that was the only one that I could actually really visionary see. Obviously, I, I keep saying that I think a loan deal would be perfect for, for Delhi to go there, obviously reunite with Poch, have a bit of more enjoying football. Obviously, I think he'd play him a lot more as well and then come back after, say, a season or a half season in the summer and then see where we go from there. But obviously, the rumours today are highlighting that he's not for sale, he's not for loan. So apart from that, I'm not really too sure who to say. 
Okay, that's enough potch chat for the foreseeable. Best of luck, but we move on. And Carl, we have to talk about COVID and some unwarranted breaches. So what's your take on the actions of Messrs Lamella, Regulion and La Celso? Yeah, it is, you know, unfortunately, these guys have, have really dropped the ball, haven't they? Um, you know, these we, these restrictions are in place. Um, obviously, I'm gathering most of us who've, you know, most of us doing this pod and most of the people that will be listening will have, you know, not had the sort of Christmas they wanted to or thought they were going to have with family and friends and, you know, loved ones. Um, and, and it was hard to take, you know, it, it wasn't what we wanted. We'd all built ourselves up to possibly at least being able to see people and it was dashed right at the death so this i think will really you know this has really turned a lot of people against those players because all those who kind of missed out are suddenly sitting there thinking well look you know these guys have all just met up um at a great time you know and yeah, you know, you're putting people at risk doing what you're doing, you know, because yes, you may be okay um, if you get it, but you never know that someone you come in contact with or someone that you pass it on to, if they got it, could have severe consequences for them. And I think given the current climate, it, it just really has left a sour taste on those players. You know, you can see by the replies that come on their apology tweets, you know, there is some, you know, there's some strong feelings um, being responded to, to those guys um, and people weren't very happy. So you just question, you know, the fact that, you know, when a, when a footballer is going to realise that they're high-profile characters and anything they do, if there's pictures being taken or there's people around, you just don't know where that stuff's going to end up. And you just wonder, you know, what part of them never thought, oh, you know, if this does get out, though, we could be in trouble. And that just doesn't apply to our guys. You know, there's lots of rumours flying around right now about other footballers who've had parties and met up and now contacted this and, you know, put people in, you know, you know, difficult situations. And you just have to feel that it's a really, you know, it's a real bit of bad PR for the club and for those players individually. You know, the only defence, I guess, you know, I've seen out there was that some people are saying, well, listen, with everything that's going on and that, we have asked these guys to kind of live normally by playing football every week and continuing, if you like, to give us some pleasure. Um, so suddenly, you know, they might actually think, well, we can just carry on as normal because we are being asked in our work environments to carry on as normal for the sake of everyone else. Um, but it was just poor judgment. Um, I'm sure there'll be consequences. How how deep they go, I don't know. But you just have to look at them and say, you know, you're just so stupid. You know, if you thought you was going to get away with this um, and do what you did, then you really got to sort of learn what 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 this profession that you're in is about and how profile you are and the consequences for that. But yeah, very stupid boys. So James, if we look at the blurring of the line, shall we say that? Premier League footballers are still doing their job and they might consider that having a Christmas dinner is normal because football is normal. If people are coming to that conclusion, is that trying to absolve them from blame because we are supporting those players and we're trying to find an out? Whereas if you looked at it, as if they were, say, Lacazette, Aubameyang, and the same thing happened, we'd be giving them absolute pelters. So have we been slightly blinded by our own support in the reaction at times? Yeah, I was I was just about to say, Dan, if if this was three Arsenal players, then we'd be we'd be straight on the bandwagon. We'd be absolutely slating them to high heaven. Um, it's it's inexcusable for me. I think obviously, 
I think it's because of the players that, that, that were there as well. Obviously, players like Reggion, you know, they've they've become such fan favourites since they they came to the club. That you know, they're it's hard to to kind of slate him, especially when you you heard about the fact that he was on his own Christmas Day. Um, you know, stuff like that makes you feel a little bit sorry. And then you've got players like Lamella and Lacelso, especially who are two players who are, who are really getting pelted at the moment anyway. Uh, and then they go and do something like this. It's it's just like, oh, boys, you haven't really helped yourself, have you? And you know, I, I'm I'm absolutely with with Carl. You, you know, these these guys they they should they should know so much better. And it's not necessarily because of the you know the COVID risk or the risk of spreading the disease. Because you know that's that's not what really this is about. It's about how these guys are, are in the public eye, and and they just know that you know if you do something wrong, there are there are so many people there willing to who are just ready to to scrutinise you, and you just you just wonder why they're given given the ammunition to 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 do it again. Um, you know, obviously obviously we feel sorry for players. They you know they they they're treated like they're not human beings at you know at, at times, but these are special times and. There's a lot of people out there who have who have suffered through through this virus. There's a lot of people who spent Christmas on their own and say, spent Christmas away from loved ones, and then you see that you know these guys have 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 done something that was against the rules and have done something that probably everyone out there was tempted to do themselves, but held back from doing because we were told that we couldn't. Um, and you know, without making it too political, it, it's it's just you know it's it's bad taste from them because. You know, at the end of the day, they're they're multimillionaires. They could, you know, they they've all got laptops. They've all got, you know, enough technology between them to be able to have a meet up like like we all have um, over over social media and 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 make things as normal as humanly possible without doing that. And then, you know, it baffles you, baffles the mind even more that they thought after all of this, let's all stand together and have a photograph together and actually, you know, have evidence that this this meetup actually occurred. So, you know what, it's, it's ridiculous. What, you know, these players on the pitch, off the pitch, you can't, you know, if they're fan favorites, if they're not fan favorites, you need to treat them all the same. And if this was Pogba, the media would be absolutely slating them. If this was Arsenal, we'd be absolutely slating them. So it's, it's not good enough. And I'm sure the club will, will take action against them. Well, that was going to be the next question for Holly. So Holly, how do the club deal with this? Are we talking big in-house fines, maybe some form of charity work or something. How do the club and the players highlight the magnitude of such an error? It's a tough one. It's just the naivety of it that, that drives me insane. The fact that they know that fans at home can't be doing things like that and they've just decided to do it anyway. I think that's the thing that really irritates me. And without making it too political, I think that's the thing that I think irritates everyone. And on terms of fines... I think an in-house fine, I don't think really is going to do anything. It's just a figure on a piece of paper. I think maybe doing charitable work and actually them going to see what happens if you do decide to not abide by the rules or abide by the guidelines. This is what could happen and this is effectively what you're adding to. I think something like that, maybe going into a local hospital just to, I don't know, see the effect of what it's having on nurses and things like that. And I think it would also boost the morale of the nurses and the NHS workers as well, seeing that players are actually thinking about what they're doing now and it will just boost the morale of everyone and it will make them think, obviously, what they've done too. Yeah, it's a very good point. I mean, I think we need to stress that the players wouldn't have necessarily done this with ill intention. They're not sticking two fingers up to the system, but what they have done is incredibly ill-judged. And the fact it's now 
got photo evidence. There's no escape from it. They've been caught. They're banned to rights. So when you consider that the privileges that footballers in general in the Premier League are being afforded at the moment to play, and it is a privilege when you consider that other people have lost their liberty at the moment, they can't be seen to be above the rest of the country. And that's the big mistake they've made, really. And you just hope that, well, they will learn from this because it is a huge mistake, but it's how they now deal with it. And I think, Holly, you're right. They need to be sort of shown really the impact. Because if you find £100,000... It's a small dent in your bank account. But if you actually see firsthand the effects of what is happening, then it's a much more sobering way to deal with it. So hopefully, you know, we can come out of this and just not forget it, but move on. And we're going to move on now because we're actually going to talk about some football. Yes, some football has happened. And thankfully, there's an end to that barren run of results, Carl. Mourinho Masterclass got the better of Bielsa Ball. So what did you make of our showing on Saturday? Yeah, I felt it was better. Um, definitely better. You know, I think we, we didn't see a sit back so much as we have in previous games. You know, we, we created a bit more. We looked a little bit more lively. Um, Leeds played really well, I felt. Um, and, and in all honesty, they were probably a perfect opposition because you kind of knew what you were going to get. You know, you were going to get a team that weren't going to come out and put a low block in on us. Um, they weren't going to try and just you know, be cagey and stay in the game. They were going to come and attack. And as we know this season, you know, what works for us is when teams want to come and attack and we have that ability that we can then break and maybe hit them on the counter. Um, and thankfully, we found a side that were just a little bit naive defensively. Um, you know, they had their chances and, you know, at the time where we got the first, you kind of thought that the game was on a knife edge and it wouldn't have been surprising to have seen Leeds taking the lead. Um, but thankfully, you know, we get that penalty. It kind of settles some nerves a little bit. And then we go on from there um, and Leeds kind of commit suicide defensive defensively, um, but still put us under some pressure, which we dealt with really well. So I think a better performance overall. Well, this is it, James, because in that first 20 minutes, you're looking at the possession stats and it's 64% to Leeds and they're still playing as a counter-attack team. Usually, it's one or the other. You know, for us, if we've got 36% of the ball and then we're counter-attacking, whereas Leeds are sort of overloading and having a lot of the ball. So we sort of weathered the storm and once we got that break, never really looked back. Yeah, I think obviously it, it all works out when it works out, doesn't it? I think if, if Leeds grabbed the goal first, in that, that time where they were kind of piling on the pressure, then we'd be talking very differently right now. Um, you know, in in a similar way that if Aliossi hadn't made a stupid tackle and we hadn't gone 2-0 up, then it could have been a different, you know, game from there. But, do you know what, Let, let's, you know, let's let's just go with it. I've, I've gone with the the mindset that, you know, we are going to have some, some results that are going to maybe upset us a little bit, you know, where Mourinho's tactics are, are going to, are going to grate a little bit, but this time it, it didn't happen, and and you know we we managed to kick on from one nil, which was the most important thing. Um, I, I was really impressed with with the way Leeds came out. I think a lot of people have, have said that you know they enjoy watching Leeds play. They're they're a, they're a good side. They've got some good technical players, but they're probably just lacking that little bit of, of Premier League quality, that little bit of a uh, little bit of finesse in, in the final third, but. You know, if if they do score in that that period of, of of pressure where we're kind of again we're sitting back, we're a little bit a little bit tentative, then it's a different game. But but I think you know we we've got we had better defenders and they had attackers, and that that's that's what it came down to at the end of the day. Uh, and and luckily we 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 had better quality throughout throughout every area of the pitch, and that meant meant that it wasn't as as tight as it possibly could have been if if they'd maybe snatched a lucky early goal or. 
you know, it, it could have been completely different. So, Holly, a welcome win. There's no argument about that. Now, I know you've become quite friendly with Harry Winks over the Christmas period, but what did you make of his performance on Saturday? Oh, yeah, we're like in the Do everything together. Um, yeah, no, I thought he played really well. Like, I always think at the moment I prefer Sissoko, but I think Hoiberg and him worked really well. I think, like I said, sadly, I don't think he's going to be in a start 11 each week. And I feel like Europa League is probably his best bet to get starting 11 football. But if he keeps producing what he's doing with Hoiberg, it, it might change. I mean, he's good to be there if we need him in for rotation. I think Sissoko coming on just to, to shape the game up towards the end, I think was a, a good choice. Obviously, I think Sissoko works more box to box, whereas Winks likes to go sideways and backwards. I had to get it in there somewhere. So I think it's obviously with Hoiberg and Sissoko, it's a kind of different role that they play. Sissoko just kind of tries to defend Serge or Doherty when they're bombing forward, whereas Winks just kind of tries to track the middle. And I think it also allowed Hoiberg as well to push forward a little bit. I was quite intrigued to see him a bit higher up the pitch. I mean, there was a couple of times where he had a, tried to have a little go himself. Obviously, I think there was one scenario where Sonny could have squared it to him and he could have had a shot and goal, but obviously that didn't come through. So, yeah, I'm quite pleased with him, to be fair. So, Carl, Stephen Bergvine had a couple of chances to score and really should have netted at least one. First half, almost criminal the way he sort of turned and fired over. So you can't argue with him getting into the right places. But if there's ever a poster boy of someone lacking in confidence at the moment, it's certainly him. Yeah, this kind of, you know, this with Bergvine, um, unfortunately, I have to laugh because, you know, I saw things on on Twitter after the game of people describing his performance as top quality and, you know, um, amazing performance. And and I kind of question what those people are looking at uh, when they watch a game of football, because, you know, that's not to say he was bad because he wasn't bad at all. But when you use the words like top quality in that, this is where you're talking about a guy who was probably, you know, racing at fullbacks, taking people on, you know, hitting the target. Um, and that wasn't his game. You know, he was okay. He was just, but he was, and he, and he has been so far just okay. You know, he'll have the odd flash moment here and there, but it, that doesn't justify it enough. Um, and for me, Again, what we saw on the weekend was situations that I think are going to come back to haunt us at certain points through this season. He had two real good chances in that game. You know, one just before the real glaring miss where he picks the ball up from a bad pass across the box, races to the edge of the penalty box and under no pressure at all, drags a shot so far wide, it it scares the corner flag more than the goalkeeper and the goal. Um then, you know, so you have that opportunity where you think, well, you weren't under no pressure. You should really have done a lot better. Then we have the chance that he misses. And again, you know, for me, the worry with him is those are the sort of chances that unfortunately are going to cost us at a certain point. And it will be in a game like a cup final that we might have coming up soon. Um where, you know, you will only get one or two chances, you know, and, and you need to take them. And for me, we can talk about quality but and confidence. There are reason most reasonable, decent amateur footballers would have scored the opportunity he had at the weekend. And I think the real worrying bit about that miss was he didn't even hit the target or make the keeper make a save. It's miles over the bar. Um, and yes, I'm prepared to give the guy more time. And yes, he does a good job when he plays in terms of defensively. 
I just think, you know, in terms of what he offers us as an attacking player and what I can see he's going to offer us, I'm afraid I don't, I don't see a player who's going to, you know, take us on to a next level or, or push us further forward. You know, I think we should dispel this myth that some people have as well, that he's rapid, um, because in no game so far have I seen the bloke who's rapid. And um, when Aileen is outpacing you on the sideline from Leeds, you definitely shouldn't put yourself in the rapid category or even pacey category. Um, so that, there's some real worries with Steve Bergvine for me. Yes, he works hard, but working hard and running a lot is the bare minimum I expect from a professional footballer. I want to start seeing more quality. He's shown glimpses, isn't he? You know, the chance he had in the second half where the keeper makes a good save, I felt that was encouraging because he makes a good run, he takes a good touch, gets across the defender, and it's just a good save. If he, we're seeing that more often from him, I'll be happy. I'm just not seeing an attacking player that I think has got any quality, unfortunately. So, James, if we take those issues in mind, we also loop back to the start with Gareth Bale. Do we still need one more wide forward in January? It's interesting. I, I saw you guys talking about this on Twitter, and and you know I I I I don't think we'll get one first and foremost. That's 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 the, my opinion. But I I think Deli Ali is absolutely screaming out to play in that position. I think you know we we talk about a guy who who isn't you know he's, he's not getting a run in the team, and and we talk about someone who who just needs that little bit of quality in Steven Bergwijn. I think Deli Ali finishes both of those chances that, he, that Bergwijn had the weekend uh, especially that one on the turn um, that, that that chance has has Deli Alli written all over it because we know that he's got a good enough touch to have done what Bergwijn did and then it's just that little bit of composure to, to, to find a finish and I think yeah Deli Alli isn't the, the first player that comes to mind when you think of a wide player but we're not we're not looking for well not necessarily looking for someone who who sticks to that wing because I think if you play Sissoko there that you know the right back is is covered enough. For me, it needs to be someone who is going to contribute goals and contribute assists. And and I think if Deli Ali has a run of games playing in that position in more of a, I guess a free role, I think he 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 contributes more certainly more than Bergwijn does. So. For me, why not? Why not give him a run of games? What is there to lose? Because I don't think Daniel Levy wants to get rid of him. I, I, I don't think he'll go out on loan because that's just that doesn't seem to be the the kind of thing that that Levy would do. I think he stays at Spurs, and I think why not just just give him give him a chance in that free role rather than in in a number ten role that you know doesn't necessarily suit him. I don't think he probably hasn't got the passing ability to uh, to play in that number ten role. He's probably not cute enough to play in that role. But why not just just give him like a roll out, maybe out wide, and and let him come inside, and and maybe ghost in at the back post with a few headers. I think I think he's he's the player that we should be playing in that position at the moment, especially if Bergwijn isn't gonna isn't gonna cut the mustard. I think uh, I think Delhi should be given a go, a go there. Holly, in terms of a perfect win, it wasn't quite only because of the last minute or so. So Matt Doherty sent off a blot on Tottenham's copybook. What did you make of his two yellows? Ultimately, does that come down to poor personal game management? I think so. I think it was the nature of the second yellow as well. The fact that we were into injury time, he's high up the pitch and he just kebabs him. Like there's no, there's no <laughs> need for it at all. I mean, I talk about the fact that I don't like Serge Aurier, but at the moment, I think Serge Aurier is playing better than Matt Doherty. Wow. I, I think My just, word, you changed it too. I know, it's a big bold statement that is. <laughs> but um, 
no, I just, I don't know. And like I said, I think Matt coming in has pushed Serge on. And I think it does, it is beginning to show when Serge isn't playing that I don't think Matt's necessarily up to the same, the same calibre. Not that I'm saying that I think Serge Aurier is the be-all and end-all at right back. I'm just saying I think what Matt showed at the weekend kind of highlights the fact that, I don't know, maybe his confidence isn't there. Maybe he lost his frustration. And again, I just, the glare that Jose gave him when he came off the pitch as well, I think it's something to be notable as well. Oh, absolutely. That was a, I'll deal with you in a minute kind of look. But it's strange with Doherty because I think many people would have expected him to slot into the right-back position and play every week as the number one. But it's not been that case at all. But a good thing has come out of it because it's raised Aurier's game, as you say. So there's competition for places, but Doherty hasn't quite hit the heights that we all expected either. So, again, too early to consider him a bust, but not quite there yet. Talking of game management, though, Cole, poor showings against Leicester and Wolves followed after Liverpool. So if we can cast our mind back to Molyneux, which might be difficult due to the Christmas fuzz... But was sitting back after 90 seconds the worst thing to do in hindsight? <laughs> yeah, it was, um, to be honest, I think there was quite a few people who, you know, when we scored that early, you always sit there and think, yes, you take an early goal, lovely, you know, the one up. But I think the way we were playing, you kind of then thought, oh, but you know what this means, don't you? We'll now just go and park the bus and try and see this out at one all. Um, and, and it kind of turned out to be the way the game kind of went. You know, we, we did drop off. We didn't suddenly try and go for the kill as much. And again, I think it's another one of them games, isn't it, where, you know, that's okay doing that up to a certain point. But once you suddenly see the momentum of the game change, um, then you need to react and try to do something. And, you know, we saw it again at Molyneux. You know, it's the same as Palace. The pressure was building and building and building. And all the while you're sitting there thinking, you can see, you can see what's coming here and equalisers on the cards. And I think our biggest problem is when you've sat back and done that for most of the game, when a team do suddenly snatch a late goal, it's hard to then up the momentum again, isn't it? And suddenly go, right, that's it. We need to go and push forward desperately and we need to go and create. But we have seen when that's happened, we've done it to the effect where we've caused teams problems. So you do sit there and think we've learnt this season that we can't do that and that it's a dangerous game to play. So go and get the second. None of us are saying go gun-ho and suddenly just start leaving two men at the back to mark four forwards. Um, but what we are saying is that's just show a little bit more, you know, endeavour and creativity, a bit more desire to go and win the game and finish the game off. Because once you've just scored, then, you know, yes, you're vulnerable, but at the same time, the other team are vulnerable as well. And if you can go and quickly get a second or put some more pressure on, um, it's amazing how a game can change. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't work for us. You could still sit there maybe and say, is a draw at Molyneux the worst result you'll ever have? No, of course it isn't. You know, Wolves are not a bad side. Um but you just think it's the nature of how we've let it slip again that's the most frustrating thing. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than sort of finding this urgency late on because you think, hang on, where was that 30 minutes ago? Like, if you were against Wolves and you were held to a draw but you had nothing late to offer, you think, OK, like you say, not the worst point, but it's more frustrating where you're pegged back to one all and then you're throwing the kitchen sink, nearly getting a winner. You think, well, if we tried that 20 minutes ago, we wouldn't be in the situation. So... It's that kind of balance of negativity which probably caught us out. And to spout a cliche which is, you know, always used, we probably scored too early. But, you know, you're never going to sort of say, don't score then. It's just 
unfortunately, we all saw it coming, didn't we? It was a self-fulfilling prophecy that we score early, we park the bus, but they found the key to unlock it. So, James, if you can cast your mind back to before Christmas, was not turning up at all against Leicester the worst thing to do in hindsight? Yeah, I think I think we spoke before and, and, and we just needed to turn up against Leicester because I think they, they have some kind of fragilities that, that are there to be you know there to be got at and we were just awful. I think that that was probably the, the pinnacle of uh, of our bad spell because but we were so so bad against Leicester. Um yeah they, they took their chances uh, and yeah you could say argue that they played relatively well but I think we just had absolutely nothing to offer. Uh, and that is the danger of, of when Kane and Son have have a have a quiet day if, if they if they haven't got you know, maybe they haven't got the energy in the tank. Maybe they just don't get the, the drop of the ball. But when they ha- when they don't turn up, then it seems that no one turns up. And it's a little bit of a... a, a it's not great to see is that, you know, there's no other goals in this squad if, if it's not Kane and so on. And that, that can be, really can be an issue because if they don't turn up, then you just you just really don't see where, where our goals are going to come from. But, um, you know, I've, it was it's, it's really gutting to see where we've kind of dropped off from, especially, you know, Liverpool have dropped points. Um, you know, as we speak, it might look like they, they might drop a few more points tonight. And, you know, we, we've we dropped points too. You know, we could be, we could have been so, so much further away at the top of that table. You know, you guys talked about the Wolves game there. I was devastated with the Wolves result um, because we just look so good when we attack. You know, when, when we're attacking as a unit, we look great. I just, I just don't understand why we wouldn't do it more. Because you know we 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 look like no team can handle us when we're going forward and when we're attacking, attacking well. Um, so for me, I, I I think we 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 really are kind of going to be ruined missed opportunities um, if we're not already. And uh, and you know and Leicester was another one of them because because I think they're they're a team that can be got at. Um, yeah, they might be where they are in the table, but but I feel like they've they've got players that we could have we could have got into and we could have. If we'd have gone for that barnstorming attack, kind of, you know, first 20 minutes, grabbed an early goal, then it's a, again, it's a different game. But, but we didn't, and and it just didn't look like we could buy a goal that day. Holly, let's try and flip it back to a positive note because we're back in the top four after the win against Leeds. We've got a game in hand as well. So, is the hope, if not the expectation, now that the blip has happened, it's done, and now we can just kick on in the next couple of months? in what is looking like the most open title race in years. It could be a four-horse race, a six-horse race, a silly amount of horses, really, when you think about it. But we're in contention, if nothing else. So it's about what we do now in the second half of the season. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. And I think this blip is also because I don't think Kane's really been on his A game because of the uh, incoming of his newborn child. So I think that's also been in the back of the mind. And then when he was born, he's played... banged in two goals so I think that's another thing and I think we've also learned that if Kane's not on it Son ain't going to be on it and I think the fact that there's so much in partnership at the moment that's just a given week in week out so hopefully from now on we can just keep pushing on and like you said it's so open this year and it's really exciting for once for it not to be a team so far up above that we can't really catch them so quickly but now with everyone dropping points around us like we said it's always that thing where we drop points when other people drop points. But hopefully, after getting that win against... Um, oh, you can tell my brain's gone. Uh, at the weekend, we can hopefully push on and build momentum from that. Well, this is it, Cole, because all you need really this season is momentum. If you look at Man United as the perfect example at the moment, or even us, as we went on a 
good run to start with that was unbeaten after Everton's shambles on the opening weekend. But we got that run that no one else was getting. We went to the top. That was no accident. Man United, monster run. Their second joint top, whatever you want to call it. So if we get one of those going again, then all cards are on the table. Yeah, I, th- I think we're, we've seen, haven't we, so far this season, and I think it will be the way the season continues, is that no one's actually been fully consistent. So I think you are going to see a, a season where, you know, a bit like with the Leicester, with the year Leicester won it, that you could have a dark horse win it because I think now the key is consistency. If you can become a team that just stay consistent and potentially maybe just draw games and then pick up wins and, and don't lose that many, I think you're going to be in with a shout. And as you say, Dan, you know, it wasn't that long ago that people were talking about Oli being sacked and this is one of the worst United sides. They're sitting um, joint top, as we like to say, you know, as, as Liverpool fans would have said when, you know, we were top, that they were joint top. Um, so they're in the mix. And, and that's come just because they've had a run of form where they've put together some results. So, you know, you can go from obviously suddenly, you know, two weeks, you know, three weeks, you can be thinking we're in a crisis. Three weeks later, you're everything's rosy and everything's looking good. I, I say the real key this year is just keeping that consistency. If we can get some form of consistency where, you know, we win all our home games, play well, um, you know, go away from home and pick up vital wins and at worst pick up vital draws against the sides where you think, well, yeah, this is one, you, you know, this is a tough game you'll definitely be in with a mix come the end of the season because I don't think there's any team yet that's going to run away with this title. And James, I know you're a man who always thinks about missed opportunities, but at the same time, can you look at it as, well, at least we're getting these opportunities because other teams are slipping up. Are you happy that the fact that we can get away with things or are you annoyed that we're not putting things to bed? Uh, well, it's a bit of both. You know, any other season, as the guys say, we could we could be by far and away out of this. We could, you know, we could be behind a Man City or behind a Liverpool, and we could be running away with the league. But but we're not. So you know, it, it is there for the taking. And and if we can find a bit of consistency, then then we're right back in it. I mean, we are right back in it already. We, you know, but it's just it's just you know, obviously, I'm I'm only thinking about the games that that could have been because they were so frustrating. Um, but you know, it, this this season is as good as any season, you know, for anyone. As as the guys have said, um, it is it is absolutely there for the taking. So so why not? You know, let's. I mean, I guess let's let's be positive going forward because it looks like you know maybe Liverpool might drop points tonight. Um, you know that just that just helps our cause because these you know as well as the the drop points, it's heads going down. It's people you know starting to doubt. Uh, doubt how good they are. There's there's no reason why why we can't go and go and do it this year. So you know we've we've got the players. Um, it's just getting and playing in the right way. And and hopefully I I want to see us I want to see us attack a bit more. When we attack teams, we look absolutely absolutely ruthless. And and you know if we can put games to bed a bit early, the Crystal Palace game should have been put to bed straight away. Um, you know so many other games, Wolves should have been put to bed. Even Liverpool should have been put to bed. Um, but you know it didn't happen. But yeah, I mean, look at the bright side. We're we're banging in the title race. Um, if if anybody wants to win the Premier League, they can go and do it this year. It looks like. Well, Holly, if we look into our crystal ball to the end of the month, it's Liverpool at home. The swing game, really, in all of this. If we win that, then not only do we get revenge for earlier in the season, but then it really is game on. Yeah, exactly. It would be lovely to be able to to get one. 
against them obviously with the way of the nature that that game went as well I think it was so close and the fact that it just didn't swing in our favour it'd be nice to be able to make this one swing in ours lovely stuff right there's two games in the cups to follow in the next few days so we're going to cover them next week as we're up for the cups but that's pretty much full time for tonight so before we close I just need to do the admin which is as simple as thanking my three top guests so Holly thanks for joining us tonight you've got some minutes under your belt and I hope you'll join us again soon yeah definitely you could tell I needed to come off for a sub <laughs> <at the end. laughs> Fantastic. Great work as always, though, mate. Thanks ever so much. No worries. Top stuff. So, James, thanks for bossing the middle of the park tonight, mate. I hope you'll be back next week. Always a pleasure. Thanks again, Dan. No problem. And, Carl, thanks for running the channels and running the captain's armband, as always. Yeah, pleasure, mate. I think, you know, Holly's looking like she's going to become our Undumbele at the pod, <laughs> isn't she? You know, you can do about 70, 75 minutes, maybe. And then, you know, it's time to bring that sub on. But, uh, no, I really enjoyed doing this with you guys. Uh, it's good to get the uh, Christmas period over with. And let's hope these next couple of weeks see us into a final and have some really good stuff to chat about again. Fantastic. Right, with that said, it just leads me to say that my name's Dan Tracy, and as always, come on you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.